0: just so we'd be encouraged this morning. Uh, Don is in Weinberg, ministering there, and so that's where he is, and classes, I assume, on an aircraft coming back from Holland, uh, so so good to see Megs and the family here. Guys, yes, you've got a question. We don't ask questions during Sundays. That's what happens in school. Nick has gone to Uganda as well just to sort out all the problems that these guys have left out there, just so that you're aware. Often in a church, that's what you do, you send guys after mission trips just to patch up what's happened, just so that guys have sorted stuff out. But Nikki is on an aircraft as well, through to Uganda, doing some business up there. What a great privilege to meet together. Hey, are we happy to be here? Hey, up in the back here, are you guys still awake? All right, good, good. All right, someone told me that those are the best seats in the house even though I often say those are the cheap seats in the house. But anyway, it's so good to see you guys, and it's so great to be standing here in front of you this morning. I've grown up in a local church all my life. Megan and I, both of us, I remember sleeping underneath the chairs uh, during worship evenings and times as families, getting up early, packing the trailer with sound gear, leaving at sort of 6 o'clock in the morning from our farm up the north coast, And really just serving the life of the church. Uh, We love the local church. We've been part of the local church all of our lives. Our parents have served. They were farmers and were served on eldership teams and leadership teams. And we grew up in this environment of real just serving in the life of church. We went on missions together as families. I remember we used to leave uh, Stanger in our Hilux, double cab Hilux in those days with a horrible bench seat at the back. And uh, we'd have uh, mattresses in the back, uh, at the, in the, under the canopy at the back, real back. And we would go up to Botswana, to Gaborone, and spend a weekend doing some ministry, do some street ministry. And, uh, and then we would, Sunday afternoon after the meeting, we would head back uh, to town. And living in a life where your parents served Christ passionately, for my brother and I, it became such an easy thing to emulate. We just lived in the space of just serving Christ and loving Him. I remember in my matric year, um, we used to go every year up to Bloemfontein to a big conference where there were about 4,000 leaders that used to meet. And I remember my matric year, it was in September, so I think it was before our main final exams. And I said to my mom, Mom, do you think we should go this year? And I remember her saying, this is far more important than your matric. <laughs> I remember her saying that. My mom, my mom was an academic. If my dad said it, I'd believe him. I'm like, yeah, oh, you don't care. But I remember her saying, "This has far more eternal value." I remember her saying that. I remember some, I just sat there going, "What? Did this come out my mom's mouth?" And we went up. And I remember one of the years we were at that meeting, during a time of worship, it was totally quiet. Four thousand people in a massive arena, total quiet. And all of a sudden, we heard what sounded like a choir singing in like an echoey room. And it was a sound that started, I can still remember where I stood, and I I remember hearing the sound, and everyone was dead quiet, 4,000 people. And the sound started to, like, like a choir, started to sing in the corner, and it started to move in this building, this angelic sound. And eventually, this whole building erupted in just spontaneous worship. And we all left that day, I remember saying, we've heard the angels sing. You see, it's in these moments when you grow up in family that cherish the local church, that love serving Christ, that see the value in giving it all up for the sake of the king and his kingdom. I remember in youth, as a teenager, as we experienced something of the Toronto blessing, I don't know how many of us were serving Christ during those days, those were wild days, I think there was some stuff that went down that I'm like, I don't know if that was Jesus or what the heck where that was, but that stuff came, and it was like interesting, and we were in the newspapers, you know, the newspaper guys would come to church, and there'd be some wacko things happening in the meeting, but man, we were frothing for more, we were passionate for God, we desired Him, we desired Him to intervene, to, to disrupt the normalities of our religiosity. For us to count for Christ was something that we were so passionate about. It wasn't because of great lights or a cool vibe. It was because of there's a pursuit after his presence, a pursuit after his anointing, a pursuit after his glory, and that only took place because we found ourselves linked into the life of local church. I can imagine my parents, like Joshua and Joshua 24, Where as he was preparing the people, he declared, and he said in verse 15, in the latter part of that verse, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It was like my parents, that was the overarching theme over our lives as as two young men, as we grew up in our home, was like, as for me and my house, my parents would say, this family will serve the Lord. Joshua was reminding the people in that portion of scripture of all the good things that God had done something of all the past things that God had achieved, the deliverance, him setting them free, him delivering them into a place of freedom, but yet he was pointing out the importance at that moment for them to choose. It was a choice. He brought these Israelites to a and said, God has done all these great things, but the future is before us and you need to choose. You need to choose this day as to who you will serve. You will choose this day as to what the rest of your life will entail and what it will count for. And at that moment, he says to these people, he says, you can choose whatever you want, but one thing I want to remind you is this family, this household, servants all, will choose the importance of family, but the importance of serving the Lord. I don't know if you've noticed at the entrance, through those doors at the back, There is a sign on the left wall, a big black sign that says, this is home. I don't know if you've noticed that, maybe you haven't noticed that, but through those doors on the left, there's a sign that says, this is home. The heart behind this was that every single time we'd arrive here on a Sunday, there would be a choice in our hearts, a decision, something of what Joshua's declared A decision as we enter, it's not telling us this is home. It's a call to us to say, is this home? A decision to be made to be able to go, God, where have you called me to serve? Where have you called me to give my life? Where have you called me to build into the lives of people? This is home. This is the space that you're calling me to play a part. Joshua was reminding these Israelites. He's saying to them, guys, you need to nail down the season of your hearts. You need to nail down something of the purpose and you need to call it. Don't leave it open-ended. Don't keep looking in. Don't keep saying, well, let's see. We'll give it another month. Let's just see if God is faithful. Let's see if this community is what it takes. No, 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 we need to make a call right now to say this is home. Every local church, Meg and I have ever been part of, as we've journeyed with our children, I don't think we've ever visited a church. It's always been as we've arrived, we've sensed the call of God to say that this is home, and if this is home, God, we can play a part. I think too often we are raised up with a sense of going to the mall every weekend just to choose what items we want, and I think something of that has crept in, well, let's choose to see which shops, which churches can best suit my need. But the reality is that even as Joshua said right then, we need to call it, I feel that even this morning and over the next season, God is going to call us as a people to nail down where is home. Where is home? Will it be all perfect? No, look around you. That's why. There's people seated next to you. That's why it won't be perfect. But in this moment, I feel like God is calling us to call home. Home is a special place. It's where the family gathers. It's where laughter happens, fun, laugh, but also pain and vulnerability. A sense of hope is experienced from those in the pram, those little guys and girls out there, all the way through to those in retirement age. And I want to commend you, older folk, the gray heads. I've got some. I'm getting there. I want to commend you because you guys are modeling something. You guys are playing the parts. Maybe you feel, ah, oh, we're irrelevant. Ah, oh, you know, we're not that cool anymore. You know, we still, we could, if we could we'd wear Stokies to church, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> I want to commend you because if it wasn't for you, I know I wouldn't be here. You guys have sacrificed much. You guys have contended with much. You guys have modeled much. And you guys will continue to model. And when I say guys, I mean men and women. I want to commend every gray head, hear me, in this building to say, keep it up. Keep doing what God has called you to because you make it possible for us younger people in the room. Me younger as well. Our teenagers in the room have an option to look ahead of them and say, oh, this Christian thing, it's worth giving my entire life to. It's not just a season. It's just not a flash in the pan. But I can see older folk lifting their hands and worship. How long have they been worshiping? For 50 years. And it's still as passionately now as they did when they first started. You are modeling something, older folk, that we need in this local house. We need people in this home contending, gray heads contending, gray heads going out, praying, going into Uganda. Look at this gray head here. He's (laughs) off to Uganda. I want to just commend you older folk and say, please, do it again. Show up again. Serve again. Give your lives again, because this home needs it. This home needs it. The reason why this is home is because church is not a business. Church is a family. Church is a family, not a business. Ephesians 2 verse 19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Interesting, you were taken from one place, a place of darkness, and he says you were placed into a place, a new place, a place of life. You didn't belong, the ESV uses the, the language alien, you once were green and traveled on things in the sky, you didn't belong here, you didn't even have a passport or an ID, and you had a whole bunch of Americans looking for you all the time. And now you find yourself part of the family. It's a beautiful thing. Once I was removed, now I'm included. Once I was alienated, but now I'm part of a household. Why? Because I've become a son and a daughter. If you ever came to the McKinley's for Christmas, often the Christmas experience would be a hot roast. In the middle of KwaZulu-Natal, where all of us were sweating by the time we arrived. But we were adamant, we were not having anything uncooked. It all had to be real. And you'd arrive there and it's amazing because I watched as a family gathered, everyone would bring something. And we knew if it was gonna be good starters or not as to which aunt was asked to do starters. Aunt number one would arrive with this, aunt number two and the cousins would arrive and so-and-so's made some pudding and so-and-so's done this and so-and-so's arrived with these drinks and everyone has come and has contributed to our time of Christmas. It was chaos squeezed into a house, wherever it was, lots going on and you'll all be given a chore. It might be peeling potatoes, might be carving the roast or maybe even taking photos. That was, that's a big deal. Right, <laughs> taking photos of what's going on. Everyone was given something to do Even afterwards, I remember there was always this whole big need to wash dishes. Yeah, yeah? I'm sure you all know these things. Now, I want to say that washing dishes is not the calling on my life. (laughs) Washing dishes is not something that I'm passionate about or excited about. But one thing I am passionate and excited about is family. And so that means I wash the dishes. I'm not really good at sweeping. I've learned it's not my call in my life. I'm not passionate about it, but I'm passionate about family. You see, when we arrive as if we're arriving at a restaurant and we sit down and we demand of our waiter to meet our needs, to fulfill the comfort of my own life because I know I'm gonna pay something and I'm gonna get a service in return. I think if we, if we view the church like that, then I think we're gonna have some challenges. But if we view the church as a Christmas lunch or any other lunch that we'd have, we actually, we all got a part to play. Can you imagine me arriving home, sitting down and saying, Meg, where's the menu? She'd be very quick to show me where the door is or where the dishes are, one of the two. But Christmas at the McKinleys was always chaos, but it was this moment where we were able to express ourselves. We had the the directors of companies, leaders, educators, people that had influence over the society out there, but in house, they were just uncle and aunt, brother and sister. There's something beautiful about that. Something beautiful about the picture of local church. There's three people that don't serve in those moments. They don't play a part. Number one were the kids. They just wanted presents, and they wanted to eat, and that's crazy, Yeah, that's fine. Our little kids, as they run around, man, they just have a jaw, make a noise, but as they grow up, we start to engage them into a place of serving. Well, also, the second people that don't serve are guests. They just arrive and enjoy, often quite awkward, you know, especially when the cousin brings the boyfriend over, and all of us girls are like, who's this punk? I mean, it's like, what a, he comes from Cape Town. What a, oh, oh, sorry, I'm in Cape Town. Anyway, so Karen, guests don't serve. They just come and enjoy you. And we love having guests because we ask them questions, new questions, because we've been asking all the family, every year we ask the same questions. So these are new questions. And then there is the odd uncle. You always have the odd uncle. Often he falls asleep in the couch while everyone's doing stuff. But there's a picture of that in home. It's odd not to serve. That's why you're the odd uncle. You don't play a part. Why aren't you part of us? No, well, he's just weird. Just leave him alone. And in the life of local church, I think sometimes we have that. We have our kids. We do. We do. What is this guy doing here? Anyway, we have our kids. They can have a, a great time enjoying We've got guests arriving. Actually, don't worry. No, sit down. Can I get you coffee? Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. We have and a brownie. Who said that? You give that person a brownie. whoever said that? <laughs> and then you have some odd uncles. <laughs> and you sort of have to just go with the flow and say, "Well, that's just Uncle Bob. If, if your name's Bob here, please forgive me, but it's Uncle Bob. God's plan has always been family. It always has. It's amazing that he comes and he says he's not redeeming employees unto himself. Even the reference of being the army of God, he never says he's redeeming soldiers unto himself. He's redeeming sons and daughters. He's redeeming the family. He wants to use the family of God to impact this world. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18 says, and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. John 1 verse 12 just confirms that. And it says, but to all who did receive him, who received Christ, who believed in his name, Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God. The gathering of the local church as a home, as a family, should be the most natural thing we can do here on this earth. Why, because if we understand who Christ is and what he's done for us, we understand that now because of him, we have become sons and daughters of the most high, not just the McKinleys, where we get to partake together in an environment called home, where we get to participate, where we get to make mistakes, where we get to risk it all because we've got family brothers and sisters who are with us. The Bible is not an employee handbook, making sure your language or conduct and behavior represents the organization well so that your performance review at the end of the year is a good one. No, this is something of a cultural expression of taking us and molding us and shaping us to be more like Him. Why? Because ultimately as we look to our Father We outwork what He does. We do what He does. We conceive something of this understanding of what He has called us to, and we are able to outwork it here on earth. I recall a few years back, we as a family came down to Cape Town, as most South Africans do on holiday, and we did the full touristy thing. And you've probably never done it, so I'm gonna help you. There is stuff out there. So we did the full touristy thing. So we arrived, we got on the red bus. Kids absolutely loved it. Not really. And then we... We saw the whole sights. we got on the cable way up to the top of Table Mountain, we walked around, we saw some sweaty people coming up a section, we're like, bro, there's a cable there, why are you walking up here, <laughs> we're helping people. But then we went on this one thing that we hadn't ever done before, which was the harbor cruise. It's beautiful, not really, but it's beautiful. And as our kids were arriving to the area that we had to get onto the vessel, they thought they heard me laughing. And they're like, "Dads, I thought Dad was back anyway." So as they came around the corner, there were these seals sitting. Now, if you've ever heard a seal call, that's apparently what my laugh sounds like. <laughs> they literally said, "We thought Dad was below here, but as we came around the corner, there are these seals going, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> Now my laugh does not sound like that. <laughs> but from that moment, do not... Not in the front row. But hey, but as we came around, as we came around, I saw these seals and I was like, oh, this is cool. And then they started ripping me, you know? (laughs) Dad, you sound like a seal, you this, you that, and a whole bunch of stuff. But the interesting part was that the other day I walked into our, our living room and there's my little daughter watching something humorous. And of course she starts to laugh. I say, Ruthie, where did you learn how to laugh like that? And Meg came around the corner and says, Well, do you know who her dad is? <laughs> but why? Wow, because we we look at our father and we, we glean from our father. And every single one of us, as we are God's sons and daughters, we are gleaning from the father. And we're able to say, actually, as we together connect into this community, it's because of Him. He's shaping us, molding us, so that ultimately every single one of us can step into an environment like this and say, This is home. This is home. So quickly, that is Cape Town. For every one of us to acknowledge that this is home, I'd love to highlight a few things. No one enters through those doors without being greeted. No one in this local church should be left out of that engagement moment. And I'm trusting that it's not just up to the welcome team, that's structure, that's business talk. And it's great to have those things in place, because we know, okay, we've got guys whose eyes are on these things. But naturally, when I have Christmas at home with the McKinneys, we don't say, okay, Hayden, you on greeting Judy make sure you greet and you park those cars well. Because Auntie Zona, you never know where she'll park, but make sure she parks well. But it's important for us to have processes as the church grows to put things in place, but the heart is never lost. We always wanna greet each other. We always wanna engage with each other. Even after this meeting, if you see someone alone, hey, why don't you come for lunch with us? When you come have coffee with us, can you imagine that? Imagine after this meeting, there are undercover agents throughout this building who are just inviting people, just random people to lunch. Imagine that. That's the church that you get free lunches at. Amen. Amen. Everyone shows up, the family is prioritized. Now, let's be careful. We're not talking about sort of, you know, the family, not that family. You know, just where, you know, the mafia type thing. It's this whole thing around togetherness is prioritized. When we eat together as a family, our kids don't stay in their rooms on devices. They don't say, oh, don't worry, just leave them. That's just, that's what Ben does, you know. It's not, boy, you you get off your, and you come. We're part of this thing. You get off what you're doing. You remove yourself from that environment. Why? Because there's a priority of togetherness. I want to encourage us over the next season, let our gathering together, and we've got Gather this this week happening, our time of prayer, eating, worship, just full on jaw. We're happening on Wednesday. I'd love to just encourage you, if you haven't signed up, come. These are moments where the family gets together, where we say that this is home, and we get to enjoy the journey together. The next one, there is a love for those who are different to us. There is a love for everyone because no perfect people exist. The next one, everyone takes culture creation seriously. It starts with us picking up the paper, sweeping the floor. I love the fact that we don't have this culture of someone else will do it. It's actually we will do it. If you see something, it's because you see it. Get it done. Did you hear that? Because some people don't see it. If you see it, it's because God's giving you the eyes to see it. If you see there's a challenge somewhere, don't come tell me. Be the solution. Okay, let me move on. All right. <laughs> we all bring something to the table. That's my next one. Every single, I look across this room. Could you imagine if we all came with something in our hearts playing, a could you imagine this place would be, it would be like this? It would be amazing, I wanna encourage you. And lastly, we become sons and daughters in the house. We become sons and daughters. I love that. I love the fact that we don't have employees in our midst. We got sons and daughters. We got people that are playing a part because of who they are. I remember when our kids were young, when I was running a business, Meg would bring the kids and it was always, when they arrived, they wanted to go on the forklift. So I'm like, okay, didn't matter what job was happening, didn't matter what deadlines were in place, the forklift had to stop because now Joel and Ben needed a turn on the forklift. Now they could do that, why? Because their dad was the boss. Can you imagine one of my staff saying, hey, boss, I just wanna go and play a bit, do a bit of a thing. I'd say, buddy, you need to find another job. Because they were there because of contract but my boys would arrive as sons. And there's something of a beautiful picture that as we enter into the space that God has us as a church, as sons and daughters, there's privileges that we get to enjoy. There's privileges that you and I get to live with as we give ourselves into this, not because we've signed a membership document, it's because our hearts are with this community. We are sons and daughters of God, we have Lenten. So as we look at the end of this 2023, can you imagine? You know, it's only like four months left till Christmas or something like that. Okay, did you hear that? Four months or five months left till Christmas. Quick things I wanna help us with. May the, the remainder of 2023, may we be known for this, that we make Jesus Christ Lord of our lives. And if you've not done that this morning, I pray that you would do that, that you'd surrender your hearts to Christ. Number two, that we would make common ground home. That truly this would be home for you. That it would be a place where you are able to enjoy the expression of your Christian faith. Number three, that we would show up and play a part. Many different skill sets in the room, but we'd all play a part in what God has called us to do. Number four, we would make serving once a month part of your family rhythm. I wanna encourage you. If you've never done that, try it out. It's good for you. Especially in winter when you have to wake up early. But a rhythm, a rhythm, if we know this is the rhythm of our lives, then it becomes saying that we do. Number five, we would exist for those who are not here. Can I say that again? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we would exist for those who are not here. Those who are not here. The local church is the only organization that exists for its non-members. Not to become members. It exists for its non-members. And I trust that we'd be able to crank up the invitational culture over the next couple of months. And we'd be inviting people into this community that they would also be ones who would say that this is home. And lastly, we would say yes more than no. It's one thing I learned when I was young. As a 19-year-old, one of the leaders came and said, Mark, the best thing you can ever learn is to say yes more than no. Because if you say more, no more than yes, You'll isolate yourself and people won't engage with you because they're scared that you're just gonna say no all the time. When we all stand as the worship team comes, I trust that even as you've arrived here this morning, that even if you are questioning just your engagement or whatever it is. I trusted this morning something of what I've shared, this idea of just the household of God, idea of our engagement into this community that we would leave this morning saying in our hearts, grabbing your wife's hand or your husband's hand or just as a family saying, this is home. This is home. This is home. Isaiah 56 verse seven highlights a very important responsibility that we as family need to prioritize as we end off today. And then Isaiah says, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. There's incredible richness in here. Firstly, it's God's house. That's why you'll see it's not McKinley's ministries. It's not Miller Ministries, even though he's doing some ministry. Colin doesn't come back and say, hey Mark, we've just established our ministry in Uganda. This is God's house. We don't put our grubby fingers all over it. It's His house. It carries on It says that we'll be called, that 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says we are the called out ones. It's like there's a call upon us to be this house, to be His house to this community. Secondly, it says we are a praying house. Wednesday night, we will be praying together at our gather events, but that we'd be a praying house, not a house of jaw, of vibe, but a house devoted to our dependence in who He is. That's what prayer does. And lastly, that we would be a house for all nations. That means sending people to Uganda is something that we do so easily because we don't exist just for this street address, but we desire to be a praying house that emulates who God is here on planet Earth for the nations of the world, because ultimately the nations will be our inheritance. So as we end off, I trust that if you wanna respond in prayer, that the prayer that I trust that you would respond with is firstly to make Lord Jesus Christ the King of your life. Secondly, for a fresh engagement, as a church family, to say, God, I've been on the fence for some time now, but this morning there is something of an engagement. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And lastly, off the back of this Uganda trip, maybe God has stirred your heart to say, God, I desire to be more missional, to reach those who are far from you. I trust that this morning, as we worship in this last song, That God would do something in your hearts that maybe after the meeting, you would come here to the front, my right, your left, so that our team would be able to pray with you. Thank you, Claudette.